Hi everybody, I'm Jim Ford. And I'm Dan 2.0. <laughs> Dan 2.0. <laughs> oh. Hey everybody, it's Corwin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bet it is. And this is the Lantern Cast. Corwin? Oh, I was supposed to say the episode number? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got the part of Dan tonight. I I am so sorry. I'm 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 having flashbacks to when I used to record because we used to pause for the music. And, oh, and then yeah, come, yeah. And then kind of come back into things. My fault. My fault. All right, let's let's take it from the top. Now we we don't do that here on the Lander Cast. We don't do that. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so you you still have to give the number of the episode, and that way we can just jump right in. This is episode sixty-five. Very good. Okay, and we're keeping all that in. <laughs> Okay, so we have been well. Wow, we've been we've been gone for a while, but uh, what hasn't let up was the brightest day issues. They come out every other week, basically. What are we up to now? Number seven. Yes, sir. Seven came out last week. Well, by the time they hear this, I think maybe eight will be out. Yeah, originally the goal was to get an issue, an episode out before. Number seven, you know, finally uh, hit the hit the streets. That way, we could have given predictions about what we thought everybody's goal was going to be and stuff like that to see if we could figure out which direction they were going to take it. But that didn't happen. So now we're basically just going to review all the issues and you know give our thoughts on issue seven. And Corwin, you you really wanted to be here for this episode. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, the, the thing I love about Brightest Day is this is basically the evolution for a lot of these characters. It's really hard to even say where they're going to take these characters from here, but definitely by the end of this and at the beginning of this, you know it's nothing's going to be the same again for many of them. Indeed. Indeed. Well said. So, without further ado, why don't you give us a synopsis of Issue 4 of Brightest Day and start us off. Brightest Day issue four, we have a nice Black Lantern firestorm on the cover. Basically, this is kind of still the building phase of Brightest Day where I was kind of really losing a little bit of I was losing a little bit of steam on it because I just felt like I'm getting teasers, teasers, teasers before it really starts getting into the good stuff. But we start out with a uh, Hawk Hawkman and Hawk Girl uh, entering a portal that uh, you're gonna have to forgive me with this because I'm really bad with some of these DC characters. But the the guy who kept kill, keeps killing them every generation, Hat Hat Set, Hat Set, Hat Set. There we go. Good. Pull that out of the memory banks. But uh, they enter a portal that he created using the the bones of all their previous incarnations. So they're chasing after him to figure out what he's up to and whatever it is, put a stop to it. The link to the Green Lanterns or the Star Sapphires exists here as the piece of the Star Sapphire gem is what's leading them. To where they need to be so as they enter through the portal you get a nice splash page of all their previous lives and you see how Hatset had killed them pretty much every iteration of their being except for the final one where we have um they were getting killed by uh ralph and sue dibney it's the only difference with their deaths there but it looks like they enter hawk world which is something i know about but i've never read so it's pretty interesting as they emerge from the portal, there's all these big floating land masses all over the place. So that's the teaser we get before they switch over to one of my favorite stories. We have Dead Man still doing his uh, quasi 
quantum leap bouncing around the globe and universe. He jumps in on Dove, who is sound sleep, and gets a nice wrist to the jaw. She pretty much beats the crap out of him because he was looming over her <laughs> as she was sleeping. Yeah, Creepy. Dead Man is not used to being seen, so he's used to watching ladies and not having them see him. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, he pretty much gets his butt kicked and has no clue who she is until she costumes up. He's just pretty much trying to figure out what it is that's going on and why the ring has brought him to her. And then out of nowhere, here comes her quote-unquote protector, Hank Hall, a.k.a. Hawk, the Avatar of War, who commences to uh, pretty much grab him, grab a dead man by the throat to figure out what he's doing there and what's going on and what's this white ring, what what the white ring is up to, so... Just like the readers, the the characters in the story are pretty much frustrated trying to figure out what their purpose is. Then we switch places to New Mexico where we see a young African-American male and his girlfriend about to take something of a skinny dip, even though, well, she's getting undressed. But uh, he doesn't like water. For some reason, he's never been swimming and he kind of stays away from water is what they hint at. As uh, she tries to jump into a lake, they kind of realize that uh, all the water is gone. <laughs> so so we've got a little mystery going on there with water evaporating. Oh, wait. That's not just uh, any place in New Mexico. That's Silver City, New Mexico. And what is the significance of Silver City? That's where the White Lantern is. Ah, good call. And as, as bright as they seem to do, we switch paces really quickly again once we start getting used to one set place. Uh, we hit the Bermuda Triangle where, for some reason, an airplane has crashed and, for some reason, the bodies that are floating seem to be dehydrated. So the rescue workers are kind of confused. When, lo and behold, it seems like Mara or somebody similar to Mara and a bunch of other troops come flying out of the water to uh, kill the rescuers. Yes, I have water weapon wielding warriors. <laughs> How many W's is that? What are we doing? Okay, four W's. <laughs> there you go. Little Stanley alliteration there. Then we uh switch places again to Pittsburgh University where we have a young Ronnie Raymond trying to uh sleep off the alcohol and as a, a party goes on downstairs it seems. Do you know what fraternity this is? The ATO Alpha Tau Omega? Alpha Theta Omega? Well, there you go, listeners. Homework time. Hit the forms. Let us know which uh which frat this is. But, yeah, he's trying to uh, recover from his drinking when he has a vision of the previous Firestorm's girlfriend. I, I totally forget her name. But she appears to him looking white and grainy, so she still seems to be in salt form and grabs him by the neck. And he pretty much freaks out because she's asking if if he remembers her name yet, which I don't either. So I guess I'm going to get a visitor tonight. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's, it's Jen, Jennifer. There you go. He gets woken up out of his sleep and then she dissipates into salt and there's just salt all over his room. And uh, somebody pops in his room to come wake him up because the keg's got his name on it, basically. And <laughs> he realizes he's still covered in salt and this other person sees it. So it's not a hallucinate. I can't even say that word. Hallucination, and it's not a dream. She really did appear, and he is covered in salt. Meanwhile, you have her uh, old boyfriend. What's his name? Jason Rush. Jason, there you go. Jason's asleep, but for some reason, they have the firestorm symbol glowing over his head, even though he's asleep with his nose in a chemistry book. Last two pages. We cut back to Dead Man and the Hawks, which is Dove and Hawk. 
basically Hawk wants Dead Man to resurrect Donald Hall, the previous dove, because uh, Dead Man told him the story about the bird that he resurrected. So now they want to give this White Ring a try on something bigger, an actual human being. So we get stopped there with the suspense of what's going to happen when he tries to resurrect Dove, who is at peace, as we've learned from Blackest Night. Okay, so now this is where you were kind of like, you know, feeling a little down on the series, like tease after tease after tease. Was this, you know, what was this? Was this another tease for you? Pretty much, because even trying to look back on the issue to pull up things now that we reviewed it, to pull up things to talk about, there there isn't really much, because it's just snippets. And I mean... I'm enjoying what I'm reading, but it just seems really short. I'm I'm not it, it's like a it's like a meal, but you're only getting half a portion of your meal. You like it, you're starving, you're hungry, but you only get half a portion, so it it doesn't seem to be enough. It's well, it's like going to the local Costco or Sam's Club and walking around to the different stations and getting a free sample of of the uh, the foods that they have. Pretty much, yeah. That can sum it up definitely. Yeah. By the time by the time you're done, it's like you got a little taste of this, a little taste of this, and you're starving because you got so many tastes, but, you know, you're really hungry. Yeah, yeah no, I, I completely agree. You know, I I like that we got some uh, some hawk and dove kind of stuff going on. But, uh, yeah, it's it's he's, they just jump so fast from thing to thing to thing. I don't know. Like, I feel like when they did uh, 52, did you read 52? Yes, I did. Pretty much in, like, Two days. I had it all bound before I even read it, so <laughs> I, got, I got it all in one sitting, so I didn't have to wait. Well, I mean, I, I can't, I can't quite remember the pacing exactly, but I feel like they dedicated more pages per issue to certain storylines, and they didn't jump as fast as this. I would agree. I would agree. I mean, even I constantly have to remind myself that this isn't, this isn't a normal monthly comic the pacing is going to be completely different just because it's you know it's bi-weekly and then they they can i guess they should probably stretch as much out as they can where it's not hitting us with too many things too quickly you know they gotta pace it out and build the anticipation which to my annoyance and what i like at the same time they're doing you know they're, they're keeping us hungry for more but at the same time they're just holding enough back to get you just a little bit frustrated with it yeah or well, at least at at least at this point in time when this issue came out, because I mean you can read this in like not even fifteen minutes, honestly. Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're all they're they're quick reads. It's like what one, two, two full splash pages or two double spread, I should say, and there's probably maybe three or so single splash pages, single panel splash pages. So there's a lot of pictures and very few words. So yeah, definitely a quick read, but. Other things to pull out, I don't really notice. There really isn't much else. I don't see much else to really hit on, hint on. Yeah, no, not really. I like the uh, the dove scene. Yes. Where where she she transforms and it's like wow, it's like you know the the white hair. You don't really, I guess you don't really think about it too much because she's always in the costume and with the light blue and the white, it just it all goes together. But like when she has the white hair and she's not in the costume. It's nice. It's cool. It's cool looking, definitely. Well, one of the things, too, we need to recall is uh, I think it was either in issue zero or issue one, they show her and Hawk kissing. So there's going to probably be a little bit of tension tension built up between the two of them to look forward to. And obviously, Dead Man is feeling her. I mean, he's, he got pretty much wide-eyed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how about, how about Hawk? Like, 
actually, like, going through a wall to get to him. <laughs> he splintered the door, yeah. Well, he sensed danger, so he had came running, which is something we'll get back to in, uh, I think, what is it? I think issue seven, the whole relationship between Hawk and Dove. They kind of explain that. So uh, that was issue four. Now for issue five, my, my synopsis are going to be much quicker than yours. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I, like, good that you give the backstory. Like, I'm going to have to assume that people know a whole bunch of stuff. But it is cool that, that you did, you know, fill people in on uh, what they may not have remembered. It's good that you took issue four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because this is this is all new to me. I don't know the DC Universe really besides the, the Green Lanterns that I, I, I know in depth and a few Batman issues I've read. And, you know, some of the big stories, Kingdom Come and things like that I've read. But just general knowledge in the DC Universe, I, I, had, I had hardly any. I can't even tell you some of these people's real names from their code names half the time, but... Okay. Issue 5 starts off with Aquaman and Mera, and they don't really give specifics, but it it's pretty much like they're going to clean up the oil spill in the uh, Gulf of Mexico. So that's a little real-life influencing the comic books. And in the middle of uh, cleaning up, they're attacked by those Bermudian people that uh, look like Mera. Then we flash over to Dead Man, who's with Hawk and Dove. They're at the grave of Don Hall still, and Dead Man gets to, you know, he gets ready to try and raise Don Hall. Then we flash over to Hawkman and Hawk Girl, who are on Hawk World, and they have to fight these weird, like cat humanoids and bird creature type things. Hawk Girl is captured by some of the bird creatures. Hawkman is, I guess, left alive and left by himself, whatever, with the other creatures, whatever. That's 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 confusing. That's definitely a confusing scene, I think. Then we flash over to you know, Dove, Hawk, and Dead Man again. And, yeah, it turns out that Dove still won't rise. Don Hall, he was at rest at Blackest Night, and he's still not coming back yet. So then they get the idea, well, why not raise Holly, who is Dove's sister, who was the second hawk. Yeah, you trying to keep that all straight is definitely confusing. <laughs> so the female hawks are literally the second generation. There haven't been anything, any other ones between the originals and the sisters? Yeah, the, it, the original team was Hank Hall and Don Hall, two brothers, Hawk and Dove. When the Dove, you know, uh, Don Hall died in Crisis, it was uh, Dove. I can't for the life of me remember Dove's name now. But, yeah, that Dove. And then when Hank Hall, you know, became Monarch uh, and, you know, went completely insane and eventually died or something. Yeah, he must have died. They had to have killed him off at some point. Then the new Dove went and got her sister, and she became the new, uh, the new Hawk. Hawk. Oh my god, that was not easy. Um, and they were in, I don't know, Teen Titans, I guess, for a little while. Uh, okay. And now you're, you're basically caught up, because you know what happened in Blackest Night. Now the last thing that they go over in issue five is, bum bum bum, there's a big reveal at the end, which was implied by Blackest Night Wonder Woman, which we've kind of been waiting on, you know, to find out what that little detail was that 
like, you could tell that there was something, you know, Aquaman didn't know, and, you know, they, they, they said as much. It's like, oh, Aquaman, you know, didn't know, and we had no idea what that was. Well, it turns out that Mera was sent to kill Aquaman. Dum, dum, dum. The end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's that's my review. Before we get into the issue, have you read any of the Hawkman Hawkworld stuff? I don't think so, and if I have, I don't remember at all. Okay, you probably have to forget to keep your sanity. <laughs> yeah, like I like the whole Hawk, uh, the the whole Hawkman Hawk Girl, whatever. I never really tried to wrap my brain around, so I I'm not really sure. Like I don't know. The last last I figured was that they were from Thanagar or something and. I don't know now. I just don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. All I know is that Hawkworld is not Thanagar. At least I re- realize that much now. Now with this whole thing with the Gulf, with the oil spill in the Gulf, it makes you wonder like how how far ahead these artists have to actually draw these things if if they actually had it planned before or maybe I'm actually I'm thinking it's probably changed since the event happened. John's kind of just slid it in there last minute. Yeah. To kind of make the whole oil spill relevant. I that, that's what I think. I like you figure they only have a couple of pages to dedicate to Aquaman anyway, and he was probably going to fight something or clean up some sort of... He could have been cleaning up an oil spill anyway, you know, and it could have just been like, oh, well, now they have this giant oil leak. We've still got some time. Let's change some things around and make it relevant. That, that That's easily done. And now that I've actually we've reviewed the issue and I'm flipping through it, there is only three different stories in this one. It's mostly Aquaman and Hawkman, and then we get a little bit of Dove and the Hawks kind of sprinkled through it. They don't touch on any of the other characters. Yeah, no, we have to go quite a few issues before catching up with uh, Martian Manhunter again. Besides these people that look like Mera that actually, I call it waterbending since I'm so used to uh, Avatar, <laughs> they're... The water bending actually even uh they hurt Aquaman. They can you know before bullets were bouncing off of him and everything, but this hard water can pretty much cut him. And then we get a nice little weird interaction between the Hawks now as they kiss. They start getting the black veins like they're like they're dying or something, and the actual slot between the two of them ends up being black too. So they realize something is wrong. So it looks like maybe their life is wearing off or. Or something. Or the connection is the, the connection to life is being strained because they're farther away and now on this hawk world type place. Oh, that's true because it does say elsewhere, so we don't even know exactly where they're at. Another dimension, another planet, something else entirely. But uh, honestly, the hawk stuff is not really my favorite out of all of this stuff going on. It's interesting, it's cool, but it's low on the totem pole of the returned characters uh what you go looking at the the aquaman pages you know in the beginning it really like they wouldn't have to do much to really imply that it is the you know oil spill you know it's basically in the dialogue there's like you know one there's a couple of panels where there's something burning you know the uh the, the first panel where they're putting you know putting out a fire and it, and it's all taking place near the uh, off the Bermuda Triangle, so it's like, I think they probably had it like, okay, 
there's a ship burning and it's, you know, something's happening off the Bermuda Triangle. Let's have Aquaman go there. And that's when he's going to run into these, you know, the Bermudians, the waterbenders. So, you know, just changing a little bit of dialogue, really, you know, almost nothing at all. And all of a sudden they're referencing, you know. Relevant today stuff. Exactly. And when I die, whoever do these statues for the Hawks, I want them to do one of me. They look awesome. Yeah. I, I like how the, the ring, the white ring, also seems to have a, a bit of a sense of humor as he talks to Boston, which I think is – which will definitely come into play later on because he talks to Boston kind of just like he's an everyday person. You don't get the feeling that it's this big, huge, omnipotent omnipotent thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. What What do you think of Hawkworld so far? Uh, I'm ready for them to leave. It, it's – I'm not digging it. It's not, it's okay. It's interesting, but it's not it's not what brings me back to the book every month. You know, it's not. There's no excitement behind it for me. Yeah. There's interest, but no excitement. I I, I can definitely agree with that. It's to me, it's just like it's confusion. You know, it's like where are they? What are they doing? What is this place? Why are they here? Why did they go through in the first place? It's just I don't know. The, the whole thing is just so weird. And I guess because I don't have any background in it, I don't know what Hawkworld is or anything like that. It's like it just it compounds it. It makes it that much worse for me. Well, I I think we're lucky because we don't know just just due to the whole confusion of the whole Hawks history and what their real their real origin is supposed to be. Because from the chatter I hear, it's like Johns is trying to fix all the inconsistencies and all the problems that they've had with nailing down a definite definition of their origin. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Think about it. I mean, they're pulling up all their previous bodies, talking about their previous lifetimes, and bringing them back to previous places like Hawkworld. So before Brightest Day ends, I'm pretty certain John is going to probably have them visiting different parts of their previous lives or making that stuff relevant, making it all – he's putting the puzzle together, making it all fit, and – where he has to, he puts a Jeff John piece to connect two ends. Uh, a few years ago when they had the, I think it was just after the Ranthanagar War, or right around that time, they put out a Hawkman special. It was something to the effect of Hawkman going or meeting up with, I don't know, the devil or some sort of god or some sort of cosmic being type thing or something, and he found out that he was, like, one of, like, I don't know, a few, like, a seven or eleven or some some small number of uh, inversions or something like that. Like I said, this is very sketchy because I can't remember it. I can't remember the details. And it only occurred to me to think of it now. But it, w- it was saying how like, it was almost like they were writing something to give them an out later on that, there's a couple of characters where, okay, if you look at their history, it's not going to be consistent, and that's because, like, with all the crises that they, that these Earths have gone through, you know, there's so many different possibilities that can't mesh well with one another that the universe just figures out some way to do it, and it's not, like, you know, it's not a clean way. You know, like... Like with Superman, there's so many Supermans, and I guess most of them end up doing what Superman did. So when they all merge, 
it goes into like one nice, neat, clean Superman, and the universe is happy. But with the Hawks, like it was so you know insane that I don't know, like it's almost like there's one one Hawk man, you know, one Hawk girl, but you know, with the little uh, you know addendum. It's like, oh yeah, there's one of you, but there's also more than one of you, you know. With a with a ninety degree difference, it's just even though it's, it may be one world over, it's like a completely different hog. Yeah, and you know, it's like your history, like like kind of like with Power Girl, you know, like she remembers like three three origins or something like that, and the reason is because she comes from another universe. So she's remembering the her from this universe and the her from that universe. I'm following you. So yeah, it'll be interesting if Johns can rectify all of that. It's a it's a dare. He's been dared by Didido. Didido, how are you pronounce it? I can't I can't talk to Didio. But there you go, Didio. But uh, one thing we don't comment on too much is the art in this is top notch. Yeah. Aquaman stuff by Ivan 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 is just gorgeous. Um, I can't really tell who does the. What well, actually? There's only three people, so it's Adrian Saif or Joe Prado who does the Dead Man stuff. You, can you tell the difference? Well, I mean, I guess the Ardian Saif stuff would be the the Hawk Hawk World stuff. The Hawk stuff. Okay, and then Joe Prado, which I guess is the Dead Man stuff. But I mean, all of it's good art, and they they're similar enough where it's not too jarring when they skip scenes. You know, the art doesn't. It's not a hundred and hundred percent different art. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I agree with that. The art is very good in this issue. The final splash page with Mera revealing, you know, her her true, you know, true story. That's like an absolutely beautiful page. That would be a wonderful poster, even though she looks sad. But yeah, yeah, yeah. or even like a print that would be cool too. Yep, that's issue five. Issue five. Oh wait, yeah. No, the other thing that I wanted to say really quick was, like, like you had mentioned. There were only three stories that they really touched on in this one, which I I like. I think that's that was a really really nice touch because you get so much more story, you know, on those those three you know those three characters that they focused on. Much more development after the the slight of last issue. Okay, jumping on to brightest day number six. Just from the cover alone, we can tell we're getting back to Martian Manhunter and this other alien being that's going around slaughtering people it's i would say it's probably it looks like a martian it's green but it's totally disfigured and always constantly morphing and it has two different voices so uh it's actually been here for a while and they make some comments with it impersonating other people impersonating people and getting caught up in affections and emotions so there's a bit of an identity problem with it um whatever this monster is but we cut back to Dead Man and the Hawks, where he's about to try to raise the previous, uh, the female Hawk, when all of a sudden the Black Lantern comes busting out of the grave and just frightens the crap out of everybody until we realize that the White Ring is kind of giving them a warning, like, be careful what you do, tread lightly, you're getting in a little bit in deeper than you than you would expect. So they get a nice little warning there. Ronnie, not Ronnie, I keep getting these guys mixed up. I'm just going to call him, well, I can't even call him the Black Firestorm because that'll be like the Black Lantern. But uh, Jason. Okay, I'm going to get this by the end of this episode. 
Jason is on his way to school when something interest something weird happens. Some some beam or girder gets transmutated into either bubble gum or some pink stuff, <laughs> which places somebody in danger. And for some reason, automatically, him and Ronnie are fused into Firestorm. I'm not really familiar with Firestorm and how his powers work, but there are two totally separate places, and then all of a sudden, they're fused into Firestorm, and they save the dude's life since his crane that he was in turned to bubblegum or something. Then we go back to, uh, <laughs> sorry, then we go back to... <laughs> it's funny, his crane turned to bubblegum. The crane he was in turned to bubblegum, just some random, you know, everyday happenstance. Yeah. You know, nothing out of the ordinary, right? We get back to Aquaman on Mera as they're on the beach where there's a bunch of dead fish and it looks like oil in the water where we finally get the origin story of Mera to where uh, we learn that there was a, a rebellion in the very early colonies of Atlantis and basically one sect of the Atlanteans were kind of banished away into the Bermuda Triangle. Um, these peoples were... Uh, Maris from her people who were a separate sect so they kind of hate the other Atlanteans and from birth uh, Maris the daughter of the king and she was actually raised to kill Aquaman she was raised to be their their assassin who they send out first before their attack on Atlantis but instead of killing Aquaman as we all know she falls in love with him which leads to uh, their life together. And then we come to find out the other strange woman who's dressed like her is her younger sister named Siren. So there's going to be a lot of uh, family feuding going on. Uh, Jumping back to John Jones, he's trying to get to the bottom of this mystery killer and what's going on. And he turns to Oracle, which is, I think, the first time we've seen her in this series. I do like the fact that they're, they're touring around the DC universe. You know, even though it is brightest day with these set characters, we're still seeing other people pop up here and again. But uh, he turns to Oracle for some help. We're going to do a little bit of history check on here where I guess there's white Martians that he has um, <laughs> stored away somewhere. To, the still zone is where it is. So obviously they're white Martians, but the ones he have locked away are all accounted for. So he's not sure where this other person is. So... He's recruiting help throughout the DC Universe to try to figure out what's going on. Then he uh, goes looking for Miss Martian, and when he gets to the Tanami Desert in Australia, he finds her all beaten up and bloody. Mm-hmm. Now, is she originally a white Martian, or what's her deal? I, I'm not really sure what her deal is. She came on the scene at a time when I wasn't really paying attention to, I don't know, I guess the Teen Titans. But I, as far as I can tell... I think she's like a white Martian who didn't have like the same kind of uh you know goals of taking over the earth that the other white Martians had. Okay. Cuz as she's half unconscious here, she's kind of stuck between two states of being white and green. So I, I was curious if maybe that other being that we that we seen killing people and skinning people got to her first and maybe replaced her and is trying to trick him or or what. I think I think what happened was I think she changed her well she changed herself to look like a green Martian definitely. Now I, I don't know if possibly she is a cross between a white Martian and a green Martian. That that's a possibility, I'm not really sure. Um I don't think that other thing is like trying to impersonate her. I think it was trying to kill her to take away the competition. Makes sense. Yeah, that's that's what I think of that. You were talking about 
how the Firestorm powers work. Mm-hmm. No matter where they are, I guess if they have the bond, they can fuse together and become Firestorm. Uh, and then they can transmute anything. But they have to know the chemical composition. Okay. No wonder twins holding hands, huh? No, no, they don't have to be like that. <laughs> yeah, because there, there were plenty of times where Ronnie would have to, you know, become a firestorm. And the professor would be like, you know, across campus or at home or whatever. Oh, this is where they realize that there's a third party in the firestorm matrix. This actually I didn't pick up on the first time I read it. Because, like, you're reading the dialogue, and it's almost like Ronnie is having a conversation with Jason. And it kind of seems like Jason is really pissed off. You know, it's like, you can't fly right. You used to be, you know, a member of the, the Justice League. It's like, you know, what happened to you? And it, it, it almost, like, it would make sense for Jason to say those things because he's so angry still. But, like, if you if you pay close attention and look at it, the the bubble around that that text is different from Jason's. Mm-hmm. So that's actually the Black Lantern's week. Which I think, well, there wasn't previous issue, which we did kind of get a clue in on a few issues back when uh when they were arguing with with each other and uh what was the comment? I think he called him a white boy or something. Maybe I'm maybe I'm remembering recalling differently, but yeah, this isn't the first time we've seen this this voice instigating instigating between the two of them. I think it was it was interesting that he tried to bring back a dead man tried to bring back Holly the uh, the second hawk and she came back but as a black lantern. Did she come back? Or it was it was an illusion. Was it? Yeah, because the bottom of the second page after she comes out of the grave, you see Dove says her grave isn't disturbed, and then dead man says because she didn't really rise, and then the white the white lantern ring says a warning. He says uh. Holly's grave isn't disturbed, and Dead Man says, because she didn't really rise, Dawn, I think it was just, and then the ring says, a warning. Oh, I see. The illusion to throw them to throw them off. And then, of course, you know, Hawk being his usual gruff self is like, well, what, you know, what do you want from us? And then uh, the voice says, uh, eat a cheeseburger. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's the go-to food for any of these rings. It's funny, too, because their faces just look so confused. They're like... And even even Hawk says he's like, huh, what? Maybe John has cravings when he's writing these things. I think I think it's cool that uh, Jason Rush, he's got a he's got a girl interested in him already. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> P P I M P comes with the powers. Uh, I got you. <laughs> I do I do have to say though, the artist on this, you can really tell the photo reference. Yeah, yeah. Especially on the first page, you can really tell the photo reference. But I mean, it's it's not terrible art. It's still good. It's really different than the previous, than the Dead Man stuff. You know, you're right because I was looking at it, and it definitely does have a different tone. Uh, it still works. <laughs> it's hysterical that right after they save this guy's life, <laughs> they throw up on him. I wasn't going to say that in review. I was going to wait for us to actually talk about the issue before we mention that. Yeah, uh, Ronnie's been drinking again now. Didn't he have an alcohol problem before? I think I think he had an intervention or AA or something. I was reading, but yeah, he, uh, he spews all over, and it's black too on top yes. of that. Unless it's just a generic coloring thing that he did. I'm, I'm not sure if there's any significance to it. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that there might be some significance to that. How do you feel about this whole origin now, the real origin of Mera? You know, I have to say, 
like, there was always, like, the aspects, like, that she comes from an alternate water reality dimension that never really made much sense to me. You know, it's like, well, where is it? I mean, when you look at the whole multiverse and, and everything else, like, how come we haven't seen this alternate reality or anything like that? So, to, you know, to add in the, you know, the idea that she comes from an alternate water reality, but turns out it's in the Bermuda Triangle. I, I like that. I like that idea. So, whereas they try to simplify his mirror's origin, they take the complete opposite with Hawkman and just try to make it a bit more complicated than it has to be. Yeah, the one thing that I would wonder is that, like, how come Aquaman and the rest of the Atlanteans cannot control water, but these people that are stuck in the Bermuda Triangle can't? Well, actually, she said it's an underwater world sealed off from this one. So the Separatists were banished from Atlantis, and there was an impenetrable, invisible force field. So they were actually stuck in the Bermuda Triangle for centuries. It even says centuries. So so they've genetically probably, you know, over the centuries have adapted different to their environment. You can tell I'm a science geek. I mean, like, I understand that, but... Think about, uh, think about Australia and the marsupials. You know, you have that island sealed off from everything else. Things evolve differently. Which is actually an interesting parallel because Australia started out as a penal colony also. There you go. You're making me look smart again. <laughs> I, I mean, I do like – I like the twist that this this new person coming to kill them is Mera's sister. Mm-hmm. Going back to Mera and her secret, you were saying before from, from Blackest Night you think – this is a secret that, that she was hinting at? Oh, yeah, definitely. They, they they specifically said, it's like, oh, and he he didn't know. You know, it's like, you know, no, I you know never told him whatever. And, like, you can see all the different things, and you can just see the look in her eyes. And it's just like, she has to, she's hiding something from him. What is she hiding? And, and this is it. Like, the fact that her entire reason for meeting him in the first place at all was because she was supposed to kill him. And if, if he ever knew that, then would he ever want to have anything to do with her again anyway? You know, it's that that kind of underlying, you know, I guess guilt. I have a different theory, which we'll touch in after next issue. Okay. I'll wait till after 7, and I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking is going on, which is going to be... It's related, and I think it's really going to be cool, but I'm going to wait. Okay. The Martian Manhunter stuff. Wherever he goes now, he is, like, sucking the life out of trees, or plant life in general. The green. Anything. But not animals, so. Oh, the the white uh, the white Martians. You, you're not familiar with that? Not at all. That was something big in uh, the Justice League of America. There was a huge invasion, white Martians. Do you, did you watch the, uh, the animated series? Yes. Wait, no, not the the movie. There was a movie. No, I'm thinking of no. That was um, Final Frontier, I think. Uh, Justice League, um, Justice League, which later became Justice League Unlimited. That series started out with like a two issue, two episode or two or three episode premiere that de- that was completely dedicated to the White Martian invasion. Like that was what brought them all together in the first place in the cartoon. Now, are are they from – they're from Mars as well, right? I would have to assume. 
Because they're white Martians. Martians. (laughs) Dumb question. Oh, yeah. So between the white and green, it was just always the warring fractions between the two, or do we know what set it off? Because any of that history may be able to play into the story that we're looking at now. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Let's see. Hold on. Let me check. And while we're doing that, I'll talk about the little squirrel that Martian Manhunter picks up out of the tree and has on his shoulders as he uh, makes his journey across the world to research this uh, alien being that's slaughtering people in quite gruesome ways, might I add. <laughs> and, of course, Oracle's looking hot as ever. I, I love Gleason's art. I really do. And here's something else to touch on as well. Martian Manhunter, he's actually carrying a Martian rock in his chess piece. I'm wondering if that's going to have anything to do with any of the story that's going to come into play later on. I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that he, he's sucking the life out of the trees. No, it's it's possible. But I I just want to bring it up just just to uh, you know, remind everybody because I know I haven't forgotten. I'm expecting it to come into play. We have a little cameo by Superboy, as Martian Manhunter calls him up too. Yeah, so Ms. Martian, it turns out, is definitely a white, a white Martian. She just makes herself look green, I guess, to, you know, play off the, you know, goodwill that Martian Manhunter has. And, and I kind of always wondered about that too, since he was supposed to be the last of his people. So who did we not see in this issue? They skipped over the Hawks. We got a lot more pages of Firestorm. But this is definitely where things are really starting to pick up the pace now and move things along before the huge event that is going to be next issue. According to Wikipedia, there's also yellow Martians, as you know, include there's white Martians, green Martians, and yellow Martians. What are yellows? Hybrids? They may be related to the Cla- uh, the Claramarians, also known as the Yellow Saturnians, as represented by the Faceless Hunter. It's all coming directly from Wikipedia. Okay, okay, oh, here we go. It was eventually retconned that the White Martians did not evolve alongside the Green Martians, as was previously believed. In reality, the Green and White Martians were part of the same race known as the Burning. This race used fire to reproduce asexual... What? remember what i was saying about simplifying things i think oh my god oh my god listen to this okay in reality the green and white martians were part of the same race known as the burning this race used fire to reproduce asexually and were belligerent to all the guardians of the universe Fearing the ruthlessly and violently powerful Martians, genetically split the Martian race into two distinct species, white and green, preventing the asexual reproduction. They also gave these two new races an instinctive fear of fire to prevent either group from ever accessing their full potential. The time frame for this genetic tampering was given as 20,000 years ago contemporary with the early life of Vandal, Savage of Earth. And uh, while the Green Martians were peaceful philosophers, the White Martians were savage warriors. A lengthy civil war between the two races ended when the few surviving White Martians were rounded up and exiled to the extra-dimensional Still Zone, apparently distinct from Superman's Phantom Zone, in which they were later imprisoned again. Okay. So there you go. That's all directly from Wikipedia. 
apparently the Guardians of the Universe played a part in the Martians. That's crazy. And it's and it's pretty much all still relevant because they're still in the still zone. It's the one area where he went to check and make sure all they were all accounted for. Yes. I gotta give it to Tomasi and uh and John. They're they're making these other characters a lot more interesting and they're getting their mileage out of them for me at least. I'm interested in learning more what's going on, piecing it all together. Yeah. Yeah. No. Definitely. Those pesky guardians once again causing problems. Yeah. I I don't I don't know if it's not that I I don't know that much about Martian Manhunter or that I just wasn't that interested in him. I guess with these stories that they're they're telling about him now. I'm I'm still not terribly interested in him, but I'm definitely more interested than I was. You know what it is? It's to me it's his look. He's just this green guy and doesn't really strike me as anything too interesting. I mean with Batman you've got this dark shadowy figure, you know, his just his silhouette. If you compare their silhouettes, yeah. you know, just a straight silhouette. Batman would just even see well, almost any other character would just seem more interesting than Martian Manhunter. He's just a green ball-headed guy to me doesn't strike me as much but john's as i said john's and tomasi are definitely raising interest in some of these characters so hopefully they can elevate them to a higher status okay so now we have the final issue of the evening issue number seven now i guess before we go into issue seven looking at issues zero through six would you have been able to make like any guesses as to what was going to be happening, what the people's purposes were going to be? No. (laughs) No, and what I do like is it touches on everything Brightest Day, so it's everybody that's come back, people you haven't even... I don't think we've seen everybody that came back in Brightest Day yet. No, we haven't. Or I guess maybe we saw... No, actually, we definitely didn't see uh, Reverse Flash. I, I I don't think we saw... Max, but we might have in the beginning, and same thing with Captain Boomerang, like he got like two pages or so. Uh, I don't know if we've seen Osiris. Definitely saw Jade. Well, I don't know why I'm fronting like I don't have issue zero and one right here. (laughs) Well, you're flipping through those. I will give the rundown of issue seven. Okay, so we start off with Hawk and Dove and Dead Man all eating cheeseburgers, and uh. That's when we find out that Dove is single. Give a dead man a little hope there, I guess. And then they do the the white light bounce over to Silver City, at which point dead man is able to pick up the white battery without any problem. And as he picks up the white battery, all of a sudden, the guy who, I guess I, I guess I I won't try I'll try not to uh, to spoil it, but the guy that was about to jump in the uh, the lake that apparently wasn't there any longer. He uh, he gets all sparky and stuff with white energy. And uh, then all of a sudden we get the main idea behind Brightest Day, the reason for all the resurrections. It turns out the white entity is dying, and everybody that was brought back has to play a part to protect the Earth until a new champion has been picked. And, uh, and so, like, you see, you know, you flash through every single character in, in Brightest Day. Okay, so everybody's, everybody's got their, their set task. Starting with, let's see, Martian Manhunter, whose task is to burn it down. Burn all of it. Now, 
now, I guess, presumably, because they're showing a tree, presumably it's Star City that he is intending to burn down. Well, for for, for the listeners that, that aren't reading, Star City has a literal forest in the middle of it shaped in a star. So then we, yeah, we flash over to Firestorm, where they're talking to the professor, and the white light hits, and it turns out that Ronnie Raymond has to study more, and Jason Rush needs to, has to get his head out of the books, and they both have to come together and stop the Black Lantern Firestorm from trying to destroy the white entity. Then we flash to Hawkworld, where their goal is to not let any of the creatures from Hawkworld leave, and they have to stop the queen. Hawk Girl gets the uh, the premonition that if Hawk Man dies in Hawk World, there will be no more resurrections. <laughs> then we go to Aquaman, whose goal is his task for Brightest Day is to find that dude. Now he's all glowy and stuff like that. The one from the the teenager from Silver City, New Mexico. Uh, and then, uh, then it's a, a series of uh, kind of like quick bites where Captain Boomerang has to throw a boomerang at Dove. <laughs> I think the villains got off really easy on this one. <laughs> I, it's like seriously, like you're a villain and your task in order to get your life back is to throw a boomerang at somebody that you would probably do anyway. Jade, Jade's task is to balance the darkness because his brother will save her friends. That is, that is a clip, so they show in the same panel too, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to all that at the, uh, the very end. Then we go to Osiris, whose task is to free the goddess of nature, which is her sister, his sister, rather. And we go to Max Lord, whose task is to stop uh, Magog from plunging the world into war. And then we go to Eobard Thorn, who is the Reverse Flash, who apparently has already accomplished his mission of getting the Flash, Barry Allen, out of the Speed Force. Since he he accomplished his mission, his life has been returned to him, which is... A nice little indicator right there. Hawk, his mission is to catch the boomerang that Captain Boomerang is going to throw at Dove. So, I guess I guess they're they're keeping it simple for him because he can't uh, can't handle big tasks or something. <laughs> catch the boomerang. That's it. Catch it. And Dead Man, you know his his task is to find the white the new white. <laughs> The chosen one. Yeah, that. That's what it is. That's it. Everybody's got their uh, got their task. Now you know they all have to go out and do it. I really like this. Taking it back to the beginning for real quick, when Dead Man actually picks up the battery and char- well, he doesn't really charge his ring, but it looks like he's charging his ring. That's like a homage. I know. I've, I know. I've seen this image before. That's like a homage to Hal, right? Yeah, yeah, the, where he's in his dead man costume. And he's holding out the lantern. That's a nice homage to Hal. Now let's 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 touch on some key words that this this uh, the white entity says. 
It says, I am the entity, and I have watched over the world from the beginning of existence, but I am dying. A replacement must be chosen. Each one of you has returned to protect this world until the arrival of its new champion. So are we to expect that the champion is supposed to be his replacement, or is it two separate things? Let's see. A replacement must be chosen. So you need to find somebody who will replace... The, the entity of life. The entity of life. <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of picture it as, like, the entity of life is the, you know, he is the one that carries around and stores all the energy of all life. But his his life force, you know, outside of the life of everything else is dying. And so that he needs to find a new life force that he can pour all of the you know, power of life into. And they have to wait for the arrival of this new champion who will be the one that, you know, can take all of the life power. It, well, it's written intentionally vague, so we don't know until the end of the series, you know? I mean, I don't, I, I'll get to my my theories at the end of, you know, this issue. Because one thing I notice he says a lot is, I have watched over this world, not the universe, not all existence, but it states this world, and they're supposed to protect it, protect this world until the arrival of its new champion. So it, it doesn't sound universe-wide now. It sounds like specifically Earth, which I guess you can say is the cornerstone to the whole multiverse, blah, 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 blah. But uh, uh, yeah, it's really vague, and I'm still trying to work out all the details of that. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go into my theory. I think my theory will will clear it up pretty well. Um, but I'm not going to go into that until the end. I mean, let's 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 tackle the the stuff that isn't, you know, that that stuff just yet. Like the the dove and dead man scene. The ha- the hamburger? Yeah, like she's giving him this look when he's eating the hamburger. And that's like, you know, between that and her touching his hands in the next panel how she's holding his hands as he's holding the hamburger. Yeah. Yeah, that and and even like the 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 bottom panel on that page, you know, Hank's not my boyfriend, he's my partner. You know, it's like, listen, I'm not with that guy. <laughs> I can be with you. <laughs> hint, 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 wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, and then even and then this calls back into the relationship between Hawk and Dove, where Hawk even says that uh, uh, he protects her, he's her protector basically is what his quote-unquote function is supposed to be while she's here to help him deal with his anger. And he doesn't like Dixie Chicks. But uh, missing successful, they, they got to chat on some cheeseburgers. Yeah, I don't know how much they actually got to eat. It, it almost looks like they each got, like, a bite, and then the White Lantern took them. It's like, what about all the other food? Time is of the essence. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the whole idea that, you know, this immense thing of giving everybody their tasks had to wait for dead man to eat a cheeseburger <laughs> uh, hey you can't save the world on an empty stomach so i the one thing that i'm kind of wondering is like dead man right now he doesn't really have much purpose you know he's like oh he has his purpose from the white lantern but his his personal purpose you know, like, he was dead, and now he's alive again, and he's, like, he's still kind of, like, trying to make heads or tails of it. 
you know, and he's not even sure that he really wants to be alive, you know? It, it seems like he doesn't have any friends or family on top of that because there's nobody he seems to want to visit as well. So, right. yeah, you got a point there. He's directionless. So the thing that I'm wondering is, like, you have Hawk. He's he's essentially written without any redeeming qualities whatsoever. I'm wondering if they're going to pull a Pleasantville. Now, the only thing I know about Pleasantville is that as people got enlightened, I think they, they, the, they went from black and white to color. That's that movie? Yeah, well, that that is true, but the thing that I'm I'm uh, pointing out about that movie is, well, and I guess this is a spoiler for Pleasantville, because <laughs> I'm going to be giving away the ending. The mom in that show, in that movie, is married to, um, oh, I forget his name, but she's married to one dude, and through the course of the movie, she ends up falling in love with somebody else. And at the very end... Like, she's sitting on the bench with her husband, and, you know, it's like they both realize that their marriage is kind of over, but the way that the show reacts to it is, like, they pan away so that you can, you know, they pan forward so you can just see her for a second, and when they pan back out, her husband has been replaced by the guy that she fell in love with. You know, like, the show's, um, the power of the show is such that you know, because of its values, she has to stay with her husband, but the universe saw fit to change her husband into the one that she actually loves. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the way that I see that fits here is that, like, you have this guy, Hawk, like I said, no redeeming qualities. He's just kind of like, he's a jerk. He's just a big jerk. And I'm wondering if Dead Man and Dove strike up this, you know, this relationship, and by the end, you know, maybe maybe Hawk, in order to stop the boomerang, is to sacrifice himself. He dies, and Dead Man is chosen as the new Hawk. Hmm. That's a good theory. That would give him purpose. It would give him, you know, people that are actually, you know, care about him, that are living, and it would get rid of Hawk. So... Would, would would that make him the the new protector? Would that make him the person who's who's evolved enough throughout the series to become the guardian of everything? Because at first I was gonna think Dead Man as well. I mean, he the 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 white entity puts him on this journey where when the journey's really not to find somebody else, but for him to discover himself was gonna be one of was one of my thoughts with it. I can see that that is a viable theory. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but I can see where others would see that as a possibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, well, right now he's he's kind of he's kind of the protector of the white light, dead man, right? Yep. And you know, you have Hawk, who's he basically keeps on saying that he's the protector. They keep on setting him up as a protector. Well, he's kind of being replaced by a new protector in Dead Man. I don't know. I mean, like, to me, I think it would be, the, the, the concept of Hawk and Dove would be so much more entertaining if it was Dead Man and Dove, you know, that, that dynamic as opposed to, you know, Dove and this big meathead that, you know, he doesn't think about anything before he does it. He just, he just, you know, acts. Well, he he stays true to the source of his power. He's just an agent of chaos. Yeah, but 
I mean, well, with Dead Man, if, you know, now that he's alive, what's more chaotic than life? Well, then you got to factor in the whole, is it chaos or war? I know it has something to do with Lords of Order, Lords of Chaos, Avatar of Peace, Avatar of War, so... I think the hot-headedness is supposed to be part of the hawk's nature. Was was her sister like that too? Dove sister. Yes, she was. She was very hot-headed. Now, one thing which we don't, I don't really know anything about, which we may have to research, would be this whole Hawk Hank Hall's history with the whole extant thing that he when he became this big super villain, right? That was was that a zero hour? Yes. So maybe that's something else I may have to read it, read up on, and. Maybe come back and talk a little bit about. Well, I'm I'm pretty familiar with that stuff, and I don't I don't see that coming into play at all. At all, okay. Yeah, no, that was you had Hawk became monarch in like a, an alternate future where Dove died. You know, female Dove died, uh, and it led him to become the monarch. And then the monarch came back in time, made it look like Dove died, but thinking that Dove died put modern-day Hawk over the edge to become the Monarch sooner. So then Monarch was, like, going around time and whatnot. He eventually became extant and then later got killed by the Justice Society. So, yeah, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with anything. The mystery deepens. Mm. So next up, you want to jump to John Jones or yeah. something else you want to touch on? Yeah, no, we can jump to John Jones. Yeah, his his mission is to burn down a forest. Yes. What would Smokey the Bear say? <laughs> Do it! Do it! <laughs> uh, and Ms. Martian, apparently, back to life now? Yes, all healed once, uh, I guess, once he became a White Lantern. some His aura or his powers or something healed her wounds, but she's looking much, much better. And that's pretty much all we get of that, isn't it, before we switch paces? Yeah. Yeah, now... This this is big. The Firestorm thing. Pro- the professor is... This is Professor... The Prof. There you go. I know his name. I can't remember it. Professor... Oh, Professor Stein. Okay, so Professor Stein is... He's telling Firestorm, which they've now combined. He's He's got something to show them about the Firestorm Matrix. He's so sorry that he... You know, he put this to them. He's saying that the voice that they're hearing is most likely a manifestation of the third stage of Firestorm. Third and final. Yes, the third and final stage of Firestorm. Now, I have a theory about that, but again, I'm going to wait till the end. The end of this episode or the end of Brightest Day? The end of this this story. Well, the end of this review. Okay. I'll, I'll save all my theories for then. And the white, the white Lantern Firestorm looks pretty awesome. Yes, that looks very awesome. Oh, and then they switch places. Jason Rush and Ronnie Raymond. Oh, yeah, they do do. Yeah. Um, is that a common thing for them to, Firestorm to do at all, or is this new? It's the first time that it's happened in this series because, you know, when, when it started out, you know, you had Ronnie Raymond when he was Firestorm, white, obviously. Mm-hmm. Then Jason Rush when he was Firestorm, African-American. When Brightest Day started out, it was Ronnie Raymond that was leading it. Um, he was the only one that could lead it, apparently, and so it was it was white again. Now it's it switched back again, which is pretty much right in line with the brightest day figure of Firestorm that was uh, solicited recently. 
but this is the first time for the the two people in Firestorm we've ever seen them switch places. It's always been one person with the face. Yeah, yeah. I think this is the first time I've ever seen it happen that the two people in Firestorm switched places, like while they were combined. And it, it, this third third stage does kind of build a mystery to things because originally the Black Lantern Firestorm was Ronnie. Well, you know, it took over Ronnie's body. So this is – is this still Ronnie in here, the Black Lantern version of Ronnie being a third person? Is it the, the second person being corrupted? It sounds like a third and completely different person now, right? Well, yeah, that's what it, it seems like. I, I'm not – I'm not entirely sure why there would be a third, except for the fact that when when Ronnie Raymond was brought back, he was Firestorm. So, you know, the two of them merging, I don't, I don't know, it's, it's very confusing. I wouldn't be upset if this Black Lantern Firestorm was, like, the main person out for this white battery. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that that will be the case. I think that the people that were resurrected, they want to be alive. So the White Lantern, you know, the White Power entity is not really going to have a problem from them. But, you know, if a Black Lantern was able to slip through, which is basically what happened when the White Energy resurrected Ronnie, that's definitely, you know, a candidate for big, big bad. And it's a pretty awesome scene where they show the Black Lantern Firestorm holding up a destroyed, well, a black lantern, which is the white lantern that's been destroyed and decaying and black. And it says, don't let him destroy me. So, yeah, there's going to be some really cool things coming with Firestorm in this third part of the Matrix, third and final stage. With the, the Hawks? Yeah, I mean, I still don't really have any idea what's going on here. So, <laughs> don't let them leave this world. Stop the Queen. And if they die on Hawk World, they don't get resurrected anymore. Boo-hoo. I, I guess that would seem to imply that if they die off Hawkworld, they will continue to get resurrected. Yeah, I guess so. And then we we get the realization that Hathset, the queen, is actually somebody who Hathset is either in love with or is with, but the queen of Hawkworld is somehow related to him. Mm. Oh, she's the love of my life, is basically what he says. Right. So them two, they have a pretty simple mission. Yeah, Aquaman, I think, has one of the most simple missions. Find find this dude. Now, I will jump into my theory a little bit. We've been seeing the preview ad of the huge, you know, the, the mystery painting thing that they've they've always shown when it comes to these events from DC, you know, like the, the paintings based on something else that you have to pick through it to find the meaning. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, you notice. Well, we know this. This we know this is going to be Aqualad, the Black Boy. We know he's going to be Aqualad. Right. And in this painting, we see him do some water bending. Yes. We see him create a sword out of water. Now, one thing that they touched on last issue that I, I wanted to come back to is when Mare was telling her story. Oh. She flat out says, "Black Manta knew of my people before he even knew of Aquaman." That that. The thing that Aquaman doesn't know that I think they were hinting at in Blackest Night is that this kid is Mera and Black Manta's son. Oh. oh that's what God. I think. And that's why he hates Aquaman and Mera as much as he does. Because even she said it before that when he killed her, when 
when he killed their son, it was not only against Aquaman. It was it was uh, what did he did she say? Our child's death was as much revenge on you as it was on me. Oh man! So I'm thinking Black Manta may not even know his son is alive. If it's his son, of course, he may think his son is dead. If it's their son, but I think that uh that would be some nice soap opera drama that they Jeff Johns can throw into the pot. Yeah, that would be crazy. So if Black Manta, y'all, if if this new Aqualad is the son of Mera and Black Manta, do you think that like Mera told him that, you know, their their son had died or that she had killed him or something like that that would make him like so angry about losing his own son that when he killed their son, it was revenge, thinking that his own son was dead. I, I would think so because one point that we that we kind of find out is he he avoids water. Like when she, his girlfriend tried to take him swimming, you know, he says, "I don't do swimming." So it, it's like he's been avoiding water. He's been taught to avoid water all his life. So yeah, I think I think his dad thinks he's dead if his dad is indeed Black Manta. I mean, he has to be related to them if he's water bending like them. Yeah, yeah, definitely in some way. We'll see. It's a it's a nice twist if they do throw that out there. But uh, also at the point of uh, Aquaman getting this message, all the the fish around him and the water's clean and the fish are back alive now as yes. well. Okay, so now to you know go to the the quick jumps. Like I had said before, Captain Boomerang, his entire goal is to throw a boomerang at Dove. <laughs> Uh, you know, like, like seriously, like, <laughs> that's it. Maybe by the time he gets there, he will. He probably won't want to. I don't know. I, I do sidetrack just a little bit. I do appreciate how the actual artists on these different books are the ones that drew these different panels. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. I, I, because you can see like very clearly that that's uh, France. Oh, Francis Manipal. Yeah, because you can clearly see that it's Francis Manipal. Who knows? We'll see, because that's, that's kind of... He's been showing up in Flash, and I do like the, the twist where they give him these these black construct boomerangs that he can create out of nothing now and throw. Then you have Jade, who is pictured with her brother, Obsidian, and also Eclipso, which is interesting, because are you reading the Justice League America, Justice League Soci- uh, Justice Society of America crossover? The Dark Things? Yes, I am. Okay, so... I mean, I'm not going to go into it too much, but, like, the major battles that are going on on right now are going on on the dark side of the moon, which, in case you don't follow, that's where Eclipso had his citadel. Okay, give us us some history on Eclipso. Who is Eclipso? I know he has something to do with Gene Loring or took over something, but who exactly is Eclipso? What's his deal? Okay, Eclipso was... Well, kind of like the original Spectre, um, although instead of the spirit of vengeance, there, there's a there's a distinction. Like there's uh, the wrath of God and the rage of God, or no, that wasn't it. It was the spirit of vengeance and the spirit of revenge, or something like that. Something to the effect, uh, yeah, something to the effect of that, where Eclipso was far more malicious, you know, than God had wanted. So, you know, he, he cast him off. So then, you know, with, I think he imprisoned him 
in a diamond or something like that, and the diamond ended up cracking, and all the shards going everywhere, and if you touch the shard, then Eclipso can, you know, use it to take you over. Like, if you're holding the shard and you have, like, an evil thought or an angry thought or something like that, he can take over you. That's basically it. And he is indeed the wrath of God. Well, not any longer. Well, yeah, his his original – I'm looking on the Wikipedia page now. His, yeah, he was originally the wrath of God and the angel of vengeance and was rejected and replaced by the specter. Okay, so you got that. She Her, her job is to balance the darkness. Right, so you can find Jade in the Justice League of America. Next we have uh, – is it Osiris? Yes, yes it is. Yeah, Osiris. So I've, I've read a bit upon uh, Shazam, Shazam, Black Adam and this stuff here. So he's trying to free his sister – Isis, who was also the love of Black Adam's life, they both would turn into statues by Shaz- – it was the wizard Shazam, right? I believe so. All right. Okay, it was a Shazam. They're both turned into statues forever out of each other's reach. So he's on a mission to try to free his sister, and I know he's in Titans right now with a Deathstroke and stuff going on over there. And uh, so his task is to free his sister, the goddess of nature. Hmm. So we're going to have Manhunter burning down a forest, and we're going to have Isis coming back mm-hmm. if they succeed. But then we have uh, Max Lord, and of course, for well, for the listeners who don't know, Magog is one of the instrumental characters in the whole coming about of um, – and I, I just said it earlier too. Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come, there we go. So it looks like Max Lord is on a mission to stop him from making the Kingdom Come universe come to pass. Mm-hmm. One thing I like to note too is you see the symbol on his gloves? Yeah, it's the it's a triangle. Oh, it's like a black lantern symbol. I think he's the only person I've seen out of all these other white lanterns with actual the black lantern symbol still. He has the white lantern symbol on his belt, but he has the black lantern symbols on his gloves. And he's wearing black gloves compared to his white uniform. So that could be a clue as to something. Possibly. Then we jump to Reverse Flash who's <laughs> Well, when you're dealing with time travel, of course, things will seem complicated, but he's already completed his mission that he was <laughs> brought to brought back for, which can be really confusing if you try to think of if he would have been resurrected without Barry Allen being back during Blackest Night. But let's not even try to put any Back to the Future logic into this right now. Yeah, really. But definitely, keyword, mission accomplished, life returned. You know, which is something we were talking about before with these these resurrections only being temporary unless they complete their mission. And then we have Hank Hall, whose entire job is to stop. He's supposed to catch the boomerang that Captain Boomerang is going to throw. At Dove. Yes. Well, it shouldn't be too hard for him. <laughs> just lock her. Just lock her in a room and stand at the door. I don't really see how. I guess I guess his him and Dove are mainly going to be helping dead man try to find this chosen one so that's probably how that, that's probably the extent of their story i don't think there's really anywhere else they can really pull the the hawks and dove in unless they get into the whole order and chaos lords of stuff yeah and dead man has to find the replacement for the white entity a new protector of earth must rise okay so now for my theories. I'm, I'm waiting to hear this. I'm interested in hearing this now. I'm excited. Go ahead. Yeah. Now, I I was writing, you know, down the the different people and whatnot, and 
it it's cool because like you know it actually it creates like a pretty pretty interesting map. So the third and final stage of Firestorm. Well, from what I remember from Firestorm, you have Firestorm being the first stage, and you know I'm, I'm not sure if this was the second stage or or what, but for quite a while. Firestorm split off into like two like two firestorms, one of them being the fire elemental for the universe. Are you familiar with this at all? Vaguely. I haven't really no, vaguely, really vaguely with stuff I've read on the boards and here there are hints being dropped, but no, I'm, I've never heard of it before, this whole brightest day stuff. Okay. So you have Firestorm as like a like a fire elemental. Then you have Martian Manhunter who is the last survivor of an alien race. That one, that one, I'm not entirely, you know, I I can't really convince myself on that one, you know, exactly, other than the fact that, you know, he is the last of his kind. Then you have, like I said, Firestorm with the Fire Elemental. You have Hawkman and Hawkgirl, which, you know, especially now with the story that they're in, they're almost like avatars of like a combination of animal and bird because they're, you know, both people and, you know, they can, you know, they're flying, whatever. Then you have Aquaman, who is a guardian of the ocean. You have Captain Boomerang, who is just a regular man. You have Jade, who represents light. You have Osiris, who represents magic. You have Max Lord, who represents the mental. You have Professor Zoom, or uh, not not Zoom, you have uh, Reverse Flash, who represents the Speed Force. You have Hawk and Dove in the story, who represent War and Peace, and Dead Man, who represents Life. Like, these are all, like, like elemental forces. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, this is, you know, it, it's almost like they've picked an avatar of of each, like, power in the universe. You know, each each thing has been represented. You know, between between magic itself, you know, mental humans, animals and birds. You know, fire itself, water itself. You know, even the speed force. It's like wind. Well, no, not necessarily. But go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. But I mean, maybe that's Hawkman and Hawkgirl. I don't know. And and like I said, I don't know about Martian Manhunter either. Because of you know, he doesn't he doesn't exactly fit in with the others, other than the fact that he is the last of his kind, much like the entity you know is like one of a kind. I'm not sure, but you know like the fact that it's all these elementals. Now, I'm not and I I can't take credit for this next part of the theory, because I read it on BleedingCool.com. It was they're basically talking about the possibility of Swamp Thing coming back from Vertigo over to the DC Universe. Now, I mean, as soon as you mention Swamp Thing, in relation to all these other, like, basic avatars of these different forces, and you're looking for a champion to protect life, I mean, like, it all, it fits so well that in that, that center tree in the Star City Forest, you know, that's where Swamp Thing is currently, you know, like, regenerating or something for the universe. 
definitely i think you're onto something definitely makes sense there's there's definitely dots you can connect there the little bit i have read about swamp thing talks about him being an elemental being as well right which which gets into the the green is what they call it now i know with cgs i learned a lot of things about the other if you want to call it colors as well because i think reels was even saying that aquaman was supposed to stand for like the clear animal man was like for red which was like animals or blood or or you know animals i guess you can call it so i was just trying to see if there's any way they're going to bring him into it as well since he was briefly a white lantern or what else they can do with that but yeah there's there's definitely a, a basis for what you're saying mm-hmm. and i never even thought of it like that as well so i mean it's it's my it's somebody else's theory but like you know i came up with some ideas to that i think back it up a little i don't know it, it's you know after this issue now i'm i'm a lot more excited ripped up for it exactly exactly now that there's you know a direction basically that they're headed in you know, now that I know the, you know, the direction that the the mission is going, now I'm excited. Now I'm very interested. Well, we've been talking about what their missions are, and from some of the stuff I've read, it seems like not everybody's going to succeed. So, who would you put money on that may fail in what they're supposed to do? Besides Hawk, which I think you, well, you said he's going to catch it in a different way. He's going to literally get it. Well, I mean, I, I'd like to see that. I would like to see that. You know, like, well, if you look at all of these, you know, different avatars, Martian Manhunter, he's the one that doesn't really fit too well. You know, him and Captain Boomerang both. You know, it could be that Captain Boomerang fails. It could be that Martian Manhunter, maybe he can't go through with it. Maybe he burns the forest, but he can't burn all of it. You know, something like that. I don't know. I, I definitely think, you know, I have a lot of faith in Firestorm to be able to defeat Black Lantern Firestorm. Well, if if he doesn't succeed in that, it looks like the whole universe would end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Hawkman and Hawkgirl, like, I think, <laughs> I think it would be fantastic if they killed them off forever. <laughs> Considering how confusing it's always been. What if they just killed one of them? I, I, don't, I don't necessarily know that you could do that. It's kind of a package deal. You have to have Hawkman and Hawk Girl, especially considering like the the fact that they're like their souls are tied together. And hey, not everybody not everybody has to have a happy ending. <laughs> but I guess I guess either one of them will be quite depressing for the rest of their natural existence. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, Aquaman I think is a, a definite. Ooh, well he could fail. I, I I I don't know. I mean, I guess it's possible, but it's Aquaman. How's Aquaman gonna fail? Like you're gonna bring back Aquaman only to kill just him? Just to kill him? <laughs> I mean, that that seems that seems kind of kind of far fetched. The ultimate middle finger. <laughs> yes, Aquaman. You mean less than nothing to us. We brought you back for literally a few months. <laughs> no, I mean this. Not 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 to mention, like this is the most interesting that Aquaman has been. In quite a long time, so I definitely don't see that happening. And Jade, she she, she kind of has an easy one. Her, hers is kind of kind of vague, you know. Yeah, very much so. Osiris, I mean, I think th- they've been talking about bringing back Black Adam and Isis, you know, since like five minutes after they turned to stone. So, <laughs> I mean, I think that one's kind of in the bag. 
who was it? Uh, Max Lord. Uh, again, you know, these Max Lord who has like incredible mental powers against, you know, who can make everybody in the, the world basically forget who he is. I don't think he's going to have too much problems. And if he, and if he fails, then we get Kingdom Come. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to happen yet. Be interesting if Dead Man fails. Would he, would he even be upset is the real question. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he likes being alive as of right now, even though he's getting a new appreciation for it, but. Yeah, I wonder if failing for Dead Man means that he doesn't get to become Dead Man again. Ooh, cursed with life. Yeah. Make him an immortal. That would be hysterical. Make, make him the entity. <laughs> okay. So, that was it. Yeah, we've given the listeners plenty to uh plenty to chew on and to think about yeah let's uh let's take a quick break um we have uh a fun little segment that we're gonna run right now and uh we'll be back in just a couple minutes welcome to the first installment of letters to xamaron with yours truly jackie nodell dear jackie i have a typical problem that i'm sure you've heard a million times before I'm currently in a relationship with a woman that I love very much, and she loves me. So much so that her love even saved my life recently. The only problem is that even more recently, my former love came back from the dead, and there was a time when her love saved my life too. So, I'm so confused right now. Do I owe it to my former love to give her another chance now that she's alive again? Or do I stay with my current love? What do I do? Signed, Still Carrying a Torch. Well, Still Carrying a Torch, I say live in the now. Though it may be tempting to rekindle things with an old flame, she probably isn't who you think she is. You may feel that you owe it to your ex, but healthy relationships stem from true love and not obligation. You owe it to yourself to follow what your heart is telling you. Your ex may try to steal your heart, but love can only be given, willingly. I say, maintain your willpower to stay away from your former flame and give your new romance a chance. Our second letter comes to us from Gingold Soda for Two. Dear Jackie, my wife and I have been married for many years, and we are both quite in love. We have not had an easy life by any stretch of the imagination. But even when things are bad, we just look for the light at the end of the tunnel. The problem is, we've both passed on now, and in order for our marriage to stand a ghost of a chance, we're looking for ways to keep our marriage hot in the afterlife. Well, Gingold said for two, it's never easy for any couple to constantly keep the spice in the relationship, alive or dead. However, there are a few things you can do to keep the sparks flying. Looking your best is important, and will help your wife remember why she fell in love with you in the first place. Though this may seem a bit transparent, simple things such as grooming your hair and stretching your muscles will help keep you in tip-top shape. Now that you're looking your best, take a romantic evening out in the town. It will help fuel the romance that is inside of you both. Just be sure that whatever you plan to do, for example, go to a movie or just out for a pop, that you remain flexible. Spontaneity is always an attractive quality. Heck, crash a party with her if you have to. Above all, listening to each other's wants and needs is key. And never forget how fortunate you two are to have each other. I wish you both the utmost happiness in the afterlife and beyond. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining me here on the first installment of Letters to Zamoron. For more romance tales, stories, and advice, be sure to join me at Sequential Crush. Your complete source for all things romance comics of the 1960s and 70s. Sequential Crush can be found at www.sequentialcrush.blogspot.com.
Okay, and uh, thank you to Jackie Nodell for that fantastic segment. That was awesome. Indeed. So, uh, Corwin, there hasn't been a lot of Green Lantern news out lately, but of the Green Lantern news that has been popping up, what uh, what have you heard movie-related? I heard that they're currently in the process of writing Green Lantern 2, and they're hoping to film it pretty much right after one is done, uh, not even released in theaters yet. Right after they finish filming and putting together one, they want to hop on two. And while working on two, one should be out in theaters. And if that does good enough, they want to go ahead and film three right back to back with two. So they're, they're trying to tie up Ryan Reynolds for a, a couple of years. I mean, one movie every year for the next three years. Yeah, I had heard that they definitely want to do the two and the three back to back. I think they were they were saying especially because of like the whole motion capture aspect because you know like if you can get that done then you can spend that much more time on the effects and whatnot but the other thing is Ryan Reynolds also slated to play Deadpool yes which I, I I'm torn because they're both my favorite characters two of my favorite franchises but I really want to see him still pull Deadpool off hopefully Fox. And Warner Brothers can work something out where between one and two or maybe two and three, he can take a few months off to just go ahead and do Deadpool. Yeah, I think like right now they're trying to kind of cram it in between one and two. But that's that's, I guess, if they can lock everything down in time, because there are some rumors going around that the Deadpool movie, you know, like they're still in talks to get the director that they want. Robert Rodriguez. I don't think it's a given yet. I don't think it's, you know, set in stone. They haven't announced it, nope. So so we'll see. I mean, was uh, Rob Liefeld, actually, was uh, tweeting <laughs> that, you know, he was saying, it's like, well, yeah, it, it makes sense that Warner Brothers would want to tie up Ryan Reynolds. Just fanning the flames, just, just, just fanning the flames and making things worse and trying to make people argue. No, no, like I, I, I think he the way that he was saying it, like he was saying it in a in a fairly respectful way, like you know, you know Warner Brothers is trying to you know tie up Ryan Reynolds for the Green Lantern movies. He's like, and it makes sense from you know a, a corporate you know standpoint. No, like everything that he said was actually you know fairly respectful, um, which was funny because I was actually expecting him. To be like, it's like, ah, you know, you gotta stop that that crappy green movie so that you can be Deadpool. Or I was expecting something humorous like that, but no, I will say, I mean, I like Ryan Reynolds. Oh yeah. So it's funny because, like, in that Wolverine movie, I think probably you know Ryan Reynolds, his part was one of my favorite parts of that movie. It was like 15 minutes. So, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I know. It's true. It's sad. Yeah, so I mean, I'd I'd love to see him in a Deadpool movie, but by the same token, if he's gonna be Green Lantern, like I want my Green Lantern movies like as soon as I can get them. See, you're not as torn as me because Deadpool is like my favorite male character, comic character. Period. I mean, looking at the bust I have on my desk right here, he's definitely my favorite super well, anti-hero as it is. So, uh, <laughs> trust me, I'm I'm especially torn with it as well. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. You know, and for all the people out there who who aren't really sure about his acting chops, since I think most movies they're familiar with is him being comedic, 
check out the Amityville horror remake that he did. Then you'll see you'll see a different side of him there. Well, I mean, even though, even still, like if he's playing Deadpool, I think you want the comedic side to it, right? Yeah, you do want the comedic side, but people are worried that oh, you know, even with Hal, they're they're, they're kind of concerned with him playing somebody that's supposed to be what thirty five, forty. I think Hal's supposed to be kind of up there in age a bit. Depending on what time frame you're going Depending for. Depending on what time yeah. frame you're But people are they're worried about his range, basically, with his acting, since they're used to him being the comedic kind of silly Van Wilder stuff. So, I mean, he definitely – I think he can pull off the Hal, even though most people say he probably resembles Kyle more. But I think he could pull off the Hal, and I think he's a good actor. And I don't, I don't see a problem with him doing more than one comic franchise movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Now, what do you think about the the special effects of this movie? Because I know you've seen some of the Kilowog footage, well, Kilowog stills that have been leaked or rendered, renders that have been leaked. I saw that, and, I, you know, I like it. I Obviously, when, you know, when, as soon as they announce the movie, you, re- you have to know that it's not going to look exactly like the comic. But I think they did a good job. They got a lot of the, you know, special characteristics of Kilowog. Maybe made it look a little more humanoid. Have you seen the picture at all? I have. I have. He's what I would call definition of ugly, but still, he, he does look like the character. <laughs> he does look like the character we know in the comics. But one thing particularly to note is his Green Lantern symbol on his chest. If you look at the picture carefully, you'll see that it's like coming out of his skin almost. Yes. Yeah. So it looks like the uniform, maybe the ring made organically create the uniform out of their skin or something which i guess would make sense with some of the stills we've seen with how where you can actually see like the green glowing in his like muscle tissue muscle fiber kind of looking over his skin so maybe maybe they're taking the the uniform to a different level in the movie yeah no when they first announced it they definitely said that they were trying to shoot for something different with the uniform so i i'm definitely very intrigued and i can't wait to see what they actually you know do to pull this off what exactly what role is john's playing for the movie is he creative something or probably like a creative consultant i would imagine i think he's like a he's a creative director for dc yes chief creative officer yeah so i mean yeah that's you know well this is this this is the movie thing so the question is if does he have power over the movie portion as well he can make suggestions and things like that okay I don't think he has, like, as much power as you would, I don't know, maybe hope or, you know, possibly expect. Yeah, you know, I I think he, like, he'll look at it and be like, okay, you have to make some changes here, here, and here. That way you'll make the fanboys happier, and it's not really going to take away from anything else that was going to be going on anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's going to propose changes that aren't going to be major changes but are going to make it more well-received when it finally does hit theaters. I have faith he won't let them muck it up too much. Oh, no. No, definitely not. I have faith he'll he'll, he'll, he'll keep it true. He'll keep Not even true to the comic, but just true to the, the essence of what Green Lantern is supposed to be. No, it, it can never be, you know, exactly spot on. You know, they have to, you know, change it up a bit. And, uh, yeah. I'm confident that it's going to be good. You know, I just I just had a flashback on an article I read where um, I don't remember if it was actually John's talking about it, but just the history of, of Hollywood and comic book stuff where 
I think they were pitching Green Lantern to some Hollywood person, and they were like, "Do we need the ring? <laughs> <laughs> Can you? <laughs> does, he, does he need the ring? I believe it was something like that that they said. So I, I'm sure Jeff Johns won't let them stray too far. Yeah, yeah. No, you definitely need the ring. In other Green Lantern news, <laughs> and this is actually you know close to home personal Green Lantern news as well. I just bought a new pair of shoes recently at Journeys. It was my Green Lantern shoes. The Converse? Yes. Righteous. <laughs> they are very much so. Yes, if you go to Journeys, either a store in the mall or, you know, hit the website, they have a series of new shoes, um, Converse Classics, the Chuck Taylor All-Stars. What era of artwork do they have on it? Is it recent recent artist or you know some of the old school? George Perez. Okay. Uh, did did the Green Lantern art? It's either him or Neil Adams. I I'm not entirely sure. I think it's it's more of the iconic type art. They have a pair of Superman shoes which are actually really cool. Like I'm not gonna wear Superman shoes, but the design is really neat. And again, I'm not really sure. That might be Jim Lee artwork, but I'm not 100% sure. Um. They got Superman, Batman, and Green Lantern. I got the Green Lantern shoes. They're fantastic. I only wear them on special occasions, so I don't get them too dirty. Lauren was telling me, she's like, you should go get a second pair in case anything happens to the first pair. Now that's what a wife should do. Wife <laughs> listen, listen, she's a woman, and it, we're talking about shoes. So, of course, she's going to give me a little more leeway on this uh, this particular subject. But... But but we're talking about shoes that you may be wearing in her person, <laughs> in public. Yeah, yeah. When when she first saw the the picture online, because when I when I first heard about them on the forum, <laughs> I showed her. I'm like, oh my god, honey, look at these. She's like, I don't know if you could pull those off. <laughs> and and you know, I was like, uh, yeah, I probably won't get them. And I just happened to be going to the mall with my buddy Eric, and we see a Journeys, we pop in, and I saw them, and I'm like, oh my god, they're so cool looking. I tried them on, they fit like a champ. I'm like, <laughs> I must own these. <laughs> Was the green hot and the black cold of the shoe on the shoes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they're they're fantastic shoes. If you if you could find a pair and they have them in your size, I say definitely definitely go for it. I'll take a look. I don't know. I don't know how often I'd be able to wear something like that. It's definitely like a special type shoe. Convention shoes. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention, because we've mentioned it in the past, Superman. What is? Yeah. Now I can't remember. Is it Superman or Action Comics? The one where Superman's walking across America. Superman. It is Superman. Yeah, Superman 702. Superman's still walking. <laughs> it's a good story. I like it. I read I read uh I read that today. I'm not going to go too much into it because there's not really a lot to spoil in that. It's just a fun story. You know, it's just Superman walking around, doing stuff, talking to people, talking to regular Joes. I like it. <laughs> what about what about Wonder Woman? Have you checked that out at all? Oh, I have the I have issue six hundred one. I have not gotten around to reading it yet. It's not very high on my priority list after reading issue six hundred. 
Well, let us know on the show when after you get to it, because I have 600, which I haven't even read yet. But I'm curious to see which one Straczynski is really going to pull away with and, and, and get more acclaim for, whether it's going to be his Wonder Woman or Superman. I'm interested in seeing the competition between the two, because I know they're going to be two very different stories. But, I mean, he completely switched over Wonder Woman to something else completely, and he's put Superman on punishment and grounded him. So I'm interested in seeing your reactions to see which which one you prefer. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'll tell you right now, I have a feeling that it's going to be way, way more Superman than Wonder Woman. Really? Yeah, like, I mean, I really want to like the Wonder Woman, but between the costume, which I am not feeling, just like, it, it, the costume itself just seems so 90s. You know, it's so reminiscent of the 90s, it's like... I'll give you that. I definitely flipped through issue 601. And I think she had, like, a dream or there was some kind of flash to the, the action, you know, the, the regular costume that we've come to know and love for decades. So, I mean, yeah, most likely it is a temporary thing. God, I hope so. <laughs> From the little bit I've read, she's definitely on a mission to to fix things. Yeah, which, you know, like, until then, like, I don't. I don't really understand how she's going to fit into the DC universe. Uh, the thing that is really getting me is that it's now, it's the 75th anniversary of DC Comics. And they got rid of the pretender Adam, you know, the, the Ryan Choi, you know, and they brought in Ray Palmer. And, you know, it's, it's, they, they finally brought back Aquaman. So they have these iconic characters. Superman is now back from another planet. You know, the, the, I think soon Batman will be back from the dead. But he never died. Yeah, well, <laughs> found in time, whatever. <laughs> so they have all their characters, and they could totally do, you know, the 75th you know anniversary, do like a big reunion, bring back the Justice League of America. So that's the actual Justice League of America instead of the second stringers of America. <laughs> and bring back the cartoon while they're at it. Yeah, yeah. But, like, he- here we are in August already, and it really doesn't seem like they're poised to to do any of, you know, that. They don't doesn't look like they're ready to, to bring him in for the, the 75th anniversary. Well, let's let's be honest. Read read Batman 700, read Superman 700, read Wonder Woman 600, and you tell me if DC is poised to do anything with their anniversary. Because as, there were some good stories in those issues, but overall it wasn't anything, ooh, big 700th issue celebration. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It could have been an annual. <laughs> yeah, well, basically. Uh, yeah, I, I think, and I I believe I had this argument with Dan on the forum. As far as anniversary issues go, you know, like, we just had an issue 50 of Green Lantern Corps. And not too long ago, we had an issue 50 of Green Lantern. Both issues, you know, like, issue 50 of Green Lantern, you know, the the third series of Green Lantern, issue 50 has, like, major, major significance. And this one was an echo of it on top of that. It was an echo, yeah. the, The, actually, yeah, both of them have ties to that issue 50. But they could do so much with an issue 50. 
I mean, that's a, that's a nice accomplishment, getting to issue 50. And they were both almost like just regular issues, kind of. Well, I'll, I'll give Green Lantern – well, when I, when I meant Echo, I meant Green Lantern Volume 3 and Green Lantern Volume 4 with the whole birth of Parallax and a rebirth of Parallax. So at least right. the Green Lantern 50 felt more special than the Green Lantern Core 50, definitely. Right. Even um, though it still wasn't anything huge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I feel like because, you know, I feel like it was a wasted opportunity. You know, I, I think the the sheer fact of the matter is that if you have, like, a big anniversary issue like that, you know, you make an issue like that a jumping-on point, you know, even if you give it a special cover or whatever and make it seem more special, then more people are going to be apt to give it a chance. And they just completely ignored it. And it's like, oh, yep, we hit issue 50. Yay. Now here's the next issue in the story. Where, you know, the way I look at it is that if you're a good writer, you can form the story, you know, you can tell a story faster. You could tell a short story beforehand. Whatever. You can definitely fit it so that you can have, you can line something up special for an anniversary issue. I mean, it's not like it was a surprise that it was coming. They've known since issue one that issue 50 would most likely get there someday. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, I, they have to be optimistic, but but really, like, you know, if you're planning out the series, then, rel- you know, realistically, you have, like, a year at least to, to plan. And I will, I will definitely say issue 50 was nothing for you to actually hand somebody and say, hey, check this out, and expect them to really get hooked on it. Right, right. You know, on on the same token... Batman 700, Superman 700, and Wonder Woman 600, I think, you know, and this is where Dan has a point. You know, it's like, well, what was the point of that? It was like, it's a giant issue of random stories, and then it kicks off the, you know, the the story that's going to be told in the next... Afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Um, It really, it could have been the first issue in that storyline and not cost $5 an issue and had a whole bunch of lackluster stories and like to, to have to renumber the, the comics to make it, you know, fit into place. Yeah. The wonder woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, well, even Superman is Superman really up to issue 700. Uh, I'm not really a long-term long-term DC reader. So I, wouldn't know yeah but i i I would definitely say so i wouldn't doubt it because i didn't i know when i was doing my mapping of like the infinite crisis uh related issues that superman kind of jumped jumped numbers somewhere or started restarted and then switched back or something yeah yeah I, i remember now because superman died in superman number 75 of the second series okay yeah, so I guess at some point they had to have went back to the original numbers. Yeah, yeah, that that seems like hammering a round peg into a square hole kind of thing. When you when you especially when you when you renumber just for the sake of selling an issue like that, you know, you're not you're not trying to gain new readers from a new storyline. You're just trying to milk the anniversary for all it's worth. You know, it's like the these anniversary issues are are opportunities, and they're not capitalizing on them. You know, it, it, it 
it stinks. It kind of it kind of stinks. I can fall behind that. I I will say though, I enjoyed the Batman issue much more than all the other ones. I mean, that whole issue was just one big kind of mystery that they you you solve at the end of it. You know, you get you kind of get the answer to what was going on through through generations of Batman. So that, I thought that part was cool. I thought that annual that issue was cool. Yeah, that sucks because that's the one that I didn't buy. <laughs> <laughs> it's one big story all the way through. At least that one has cohesiveness. Yes and no. There's there's like three different generations of Batman. You have Bruce Wayne, you have uh, Dick Grayson, and you have Damien, current Robin, Damien. You have three different generations of Batman, and the one mystery spans all three different Batman. <laughs> so it's really cool. And then the end of it, you have a bunch of pages where it just keeps going into the future of all these different Batman. So basically Batman and Robin will never die is is what you kind of get from the end of it, but it's a really cool interesting story. One off story too. It's just one complete story, that one issue said done. Yeah, that that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, so once I once I read issue 601 of Wonder Woman, I'll report back. Yeah, let us know. Okay, and I uh I think we can close the episode out on that. Definitely. Just want to uh, throw one thing out for the listeners. Check those Origin and Omens issues that we got back in the day before Blackest Night because I'm starting to see a clues of a lot of those things coming back into play. You remember in Green Lantern, there was a scene with Alan Scott and a bunch of other used magic users that were chained in front of the Guardians. Yes. I, I think we're coming full circle with some of those Origins and Omens things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so if you would like to contact us, we are at lanterncast at gmail.com, or you can email us individually at jim, jason, or dan at lanterncast.com. We have a website at lanterncast.com. There you have links to our forum page, which is also on thecommonforums.com. You have a link to our Facebook page, um, links to our gallery, and the tutorial on how to build a Red Lantern power battery. You can find us on iTunes. Just search for Lantern Casts. You can leave us a review, and that would be awesome. We have a brand new voicemail line. The number is 206-337-1579. Yeah, apparently, if you don't get any calls for a month, <laughs> get rid of your voicemail line. So, come on, people. Call it. We don't want to lose another number and have to do this again next month. And and, and they're going to limit it to one drunk call per month. That way we can at least make sure the line stays. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. I don't know. I think that's it. That's pretty much it. Come Come join the forums. Come check us out. You guys will see me hanging around there a lot. Well, my contact, you can just find me on Twitter mainly, Corwin C, or uh, on the forums, as I said. But there'll be some more announcements coming soon. Pay attention to the forums. No uh, no other things to promote at this time? Not at this time. Okay. Well, you let us know. We'll, uh, we'll promote the heck out of it. Appreciate it. Okay. So uh, I guess good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>